This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! in here and then closing this so i don't get notifications while we're recording i I hope all 29 now of our unique listeners uh appreciate the steps we go through to ensure that we bring quality content (laughs) to the swans crossing fandom (laughs) only the best content we care about you yeah we do we do care about you all 29 of our unique listeners I'm, i'm impressed that we've grown that much all right. I'm impressed that anyone listens to this show at all. This thing that you have done is insane. I literally, I, I have to say, this this one, I've got a lot going on at work right now. So this one was a struggle to find the time to watch. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, do I really want to do this for another 32 episodes? Or 33 or whatever it is. Of course I do. And especially once we get to the Nudibranch Banquet, which I think is just like one or two episodes ahead, uh, the wind will be in your sails once more. Full steam ahead. It is a spectacle. I was was very excited to find out that the next big thing is the Nudibranch Nudibranch Banquet. Very, like, it's nice to know what's coming on Friday, because that sounds... Amazing. Let me tell you something. As excited as you are for this banquet episode, you are not nearly excited enough. <laughs> it's a real banger, as the kids say. If they had had you around to do marketing when Swans Crossing came out, the show would have never gone off the air. That is the greatest compliment anyone has ever paid to me. Uh, also not a big deal is this podcast, which has got to grow up sometime. <laughs> Swans Crossing Retrospective, and I'm Libby Grant. Nathan Kessler Jeffrey. We watched episode 32. We sure did. Um what fun it was. Was it not just delightful? It was delightful. This I would say this one this one is that that middle point between a really slow episode and a real banger. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, ramping up. Right in the middle. <laughs> Some stuff happens, but really what you're getting is a lot of foreshadowing of stuff that happens in later episodes. Let's go over your predictions from last time, shall we? Yes. We had, uh, let's see here. Let me find them in my notes. Oh, there we go. Okay. So you predicted that the Baldy would continue to creep on Glory, particularly at her windows. I would say that's more or less correct. That's pretty much what happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you predicted that the Baldy would attempt to take the poetry notebooks, but would be foiled repeatedly by slapstick comedy. Sadly, no. I'm really banking on some sort of Inspector Gadget shenanigans where he only succeeds because the villains are idiots. You know what I mean? That kind of situation that I think. Like like an Inspector Clouseau sort of montage of craziness. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. That would be awesome. 
Uh, you predicted that Sydney would give in, begging Garrett to make a bargain over the birth certificate. Sandy would moon over losing Owen to Mila. Owen wouldn't realize that Billy was trying to move in on Mila. Um, I mean, kinda. That, that's like subtextually what was going on. So yeah, I'm giving you that one. There was no, there was no Sandy mooning over Owen. But Sandy was mooning over things Owen did, which was kind of the, I mean, she was bummed that he like wasn't, well, we'll get into it. It was kind of the same thing. You predicted that Mila would start dating Billy Gunn, but would realize he's a douche. Um, I'm giving you that one as a future win. (laughs) This is hilarious. I'm so sad this didn't happen because you thought there would be a love scene between Captain Walker and the Countess, which would be interrupted by Saja and Callie coming back to the sub. God, I wish. (laughs) Wish that had happened so bad. And finally, you predicted that Jimmy would return to the tool and die where Barrick would still be working on whatever his weird project was. Barrick would distract him from asking too many questions, questions, which wouldn't be too hard to do because all Jimmy wanted to do would be to think and talk about Callie. Uh, kinda. We kinda get some of it's that. So that's like a 50%. Yeah, yeah, okay, so not a terrible round of predictions this last week. Yeah, not bad. Did you want to talk about the thumbnail? I desperately want to talk about the thumbnail because I... <laughs> I did not get the location right. In the shoutfactory.tv thumbnail for this episode, which I feel is very important to let our listeners know, that you can watch the full series of Swans Crossing on shoutfactory.tv. Neil and JT are in blazers flanking Sydney in what I think what I thought when I saw it was Swan's Cafe. There's a little, like, menu board behind them, which I had never seen at Swan's, so I was a little bit confused. But there was also, like, a serving counter behind them. Sydney looks completely over hanging out with these two losers, as evidenced by the fact that she has her arms crossed. JT's blazer looks a bit like it's three sizes too big, and he thinks he's saying something clever. We open in the studio where the creep Billy Gunn is listening to Owen yammer away about music while he ogles Mila in the grossest possible I just want the very first shot of the episode is Mila moving away from Billy, who looks like he has pressed himself up against her ass like he owns it. It is not acceptable. It's real uncomfortable. It's so gross. By the way, we are recording this episode the day after Matt Gates' ex-girlfriend testified before a grand jury about what Matt Gates did with minor girls. Just adding, adding that info for no particular reason, Billy Gunn. I did not know that that happened in our in our world. Um you, it slipped by quietly under the radar unless like me you have a whole bunch of google alerts set up about matt gates because you hate that fucker and you can't wait to watch him go down in flames but anyway mila is clearly picking up that billy is into yeah. her and despite the fact that she moved away from him she seems to really like this because she's a child who doesn't know any right. better i do my favorite thing about this little bit is that there's there's like uh casio like recorded under music And instead of playing an actual song for Billy, Owen is describing what happens in the song. Also, like, the music's not that good. It's like, there is some genuinely good original music that was written for Swan's Crossing, as we have gone over. We love the the OG music, but, like, this is not it. It's very plinky-plunky Casio keyboard with, like, recorded drum tracks, and it's not doing it for me. It's not good, but Billy, (laughs) Billy is repeating back words that are being said to him like a robot as his eyes are glued to Mila. It is 
disconcerting and uncomfortable. I do want to take take a pause for a second to address something that you said in the last episode because you made Billy sound like he's sixty. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I? Not quite. But he he does not appear to me to be as old as you made him sound. Well, yeah, he doesn't look like he is as old as Barrick. I would say he's probably supposed to be, like, somewhere between 23 and 25. Still gross. Um, yeah, yeah. Still, Still super gross. Because Mila just turned 15. Or is about to turn 15 because that wasn't her actual birthday. I don't remember. Oh. But, ooh, <laughs> Super gross. Anyway, we cut over to the tool and die where Barrick is doing mechanic things. Right. And Callie comes in with her fishing rod and tackle box. Right. He keeps making fishing puns as he acknowledges he acknowledges that she has been out having fun like he advised her to do. He takes the rod to like check it out and I was like is he going to cast in the freaking tool and die? What is going on? <laughs> he asks if she's caught anything. She says not yet as she gives him this like suspicious stink eye and then the camera pans down. It sure does. Jimmy is laying on the floor, hiding behind a cardboard box directly under the fishing lure that Beric is playing with. Like, he wants to eavesdrop on this weird conversation that's going on. And I I sent you a text at this point. Let me see. I'm actually going to pull your text up. It was one of your famous all caps texts. Here we go. How long has Jimmy been hiding on the floor? And more importantly... Why? <laughs> because it's not like Callie walked into the tool and die and we saw Jimmy go diving behind a cardboard box. He's obviously been there for some time and it's not like he's under a car. Right. He is. And it literally, okay, it's like a stack of a few boxes and he's just lying flat on his back behind them. Like as soon as Callie walks further into the shop, She's gonna see him. He's not really hiding that yeah. well. And yeah, like, why is he down there in the first place? Callie just, like, walks in. He doesn't go diving. Props, so props to Stacey Mosley here, because I have, I have zero confidence that he was not completely in her eyeline from the get-go. Stacey is acting her heart out, pretending like she Stacey can't see so, him. It's so funny. Oh god, there's another moment later in this in this show, in this episode where someone is clearly already in somebody else's eyeline and I'm just like, how did come on? <laughs> it's not convincing. Yeah, yeah. Callie sort of tries to back Barrick into a Scooby-Doo corner by asking about the alleged ice cream he supposedly goes out late at night to buy. He calls her bluff by offering to give her and Jimmy ice cream, thus giving up Jimmy's whole game. Wait, we have to, we have, yes, 100%. We have to we have to go back for it just a second because we did not talk about the worst line in this episode. Barrick asks Callie where she was fishing, and Callie says, "Everyone knows every angler has their own secret places." And Barrick, <laughs> in the creepiest, lechiest way possible, says, "Right, you're welcome to any that I know of." <laughs> Barrick, so, so gross. gross. All right. 
So he pulls Jimmy up and starts looking around for his ice cream. There's this weird moment where where Jimmy comes up and Callie sees that he's there. And this weird, like, Law and Ordery style synth music. Not like the dun-dun Law and Order SVU music. It's more like the music when they're out investigating a case. And she looks pissed. And I really wasn't sure if it was because he has been, quote, eavesdropping or if because she hasn't seen Jimmy since Sophia took him off for the salty fish. It's hard to say. Um, Jimmy does look properly mortified to have been found hiding from a girl, though, which, good. Also, I want to point out something I've actually been thinking to bring up in many previous episodes, but I don't think I ever have until now. Have you noticed that Jimmy always wears the same t-shirt, except, like, for dances, like if it's a dance scene, he dresses up for those kind of. I have, no- yeah, but, I've noticed that we've seen yeah. him in that t-shirt a lot. You want to talk about what? The- I don't, I don't know anything about the t-shirt. Is it? I mean, I don't. It's it's just like some black t-shirt with like an orange logo on it for like mechanic parts or something. It's sort of but, like a Harley Davidson t-shirt. Yeah, kind of, but it's not Harley Davidson. It's yeah. like it's like Joe's Auto Parts or whatever, <laughs> you know. But he always wears this shirt, which like. Fair dues, when I was 14, I wore the same shirt every day, too. I smelled like a rat, but I did wear the same shirt every day. (laughs) Also, like, it's just so funny because all of his peers have many different outfits. Like, they all wear different clothes, and yet Jimmy alone, out of all of them, is the guy who wears the same shirt every day. So, let me me just share something here with our listeners. Uh, I I work at theaters. And I've worked in numerous institutions where uh, you need to provide T-shirts for things, specifically like children's summer camps. And you oftentimes right. don't know how many you're going to order or you're going to need, so you order them in bulk. And you have a lot of T-shirts show up. And then at the end of the summer, you have a lot of leftover T-shirts. For a period of time in my working adult life, up until this point, I had roughly five to ten of the same t-shirt on like of multiple t-shirts so i had like five to ten of one t-shirt and five to ten of another t-shirt and it looked like i never changed my clothes i started wearing things over the t-shirts just so people would think that i wasn't wouldn't think that i'm wearing the same t-shirt to the office every day the plight of a, of a professional theater I, man listen, so i wasn't or- listen I did not do a lot of shopping because I was getting paid professional theater wages. Right. You got to take the perks where you can get them. Hey, whatever counts in your field. If it's a perk, it's a perk. Free t-shirts, yes. Two things. So first of all, you're suggesting that Jimmy has bulk ordered this t-shirt. I'm suggesting that he used to work at this store. Okay, okay. Get rid of the t-shirts. Other thing. You, you, I I can actually use, if you ever end up with lots of spare t-shirts, I cut them up and I tie them to my cattle panels to use as slings to keep heavy squashes in when I'm growing them. So if you ever need to unload a lot of t-shirts, I will take them off your Noted. hands. Noted. I will, I, will, I will keep that in mind. Quick question for you. Did you ever hide from girls when you were Jimmy's age? I think I probably did at some point. I probably did some sort of like, I would really like to listen to this conversation that I think is going to be about me sort of shenanigans yeah i can't i can't say that i did not do this i will say 
that I did never I never hid in some places obvious as laying on the floor behind a cardboard box. Yeah, that's a pretty sad like spot. Anyway. <laughs> so we cut to the pool where Neil and JT are hanging around in the aforementioned blazers, which by the way, blazers over t-shirts, which is a look. Well, I kind of kind of well, like it, honestly. Well, I do actually love the blazer over t-shirt look. But they're at the swim yeah. club and I'm sure blazers are required for them. So Ah, good call. That's probably the thinking behind that costuming choice. Because I was wondering, I was like, is this how the costumers for Swan's Crossing have decided to, like, portray nerds? Is, like, that their concept of a dork? Like, they wear blazers over t-shirts because they don't really get how blazers work? I was trying to, like, puzzle out the logic behind this choice. But I think you're probably right. I think it's more that the club requires blazers if you're not like in the pool. <laughs> so they, uh, they're, they're there with Neil's dad to get funding for their research. They're, they're buying time in the pool area while they wait for dessert to arrive because apparently Mr. Robinson is always most pliable for goods when he's eating his dessert and, and they want to catch him in his best mood. And Libby, I thought to myself, no one puts me in a great mood. When my dining companions wander off to have a private conversation after the after the entree is finished, but before dessert arrives. Right, right. I think actually what's going on here is they were not having lunch with Neil's dad. I think he's talking, to, he's like having lunch with some important client and they're sort of like got dragged along, but they're plotting and Neil's like, listen, he's always in the best mood after he's had lunch. So that's when they're going to go in, they're going to swoop in when he stops talking to this client and also when his mood is optimal and they're going to ask him for more funding for their project. But not just any project, they are specifically trying to build a bunker for their projects. This just cracks me up so much. Like the logistics of building what's basically a missile silo in Swan's Crossing. Like... That's going to require some permitting. I couldn't even fix my fucking foundation without getting the county involved. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's so great. Um, So they're talking about how they're going to, how they're going to strategize hitting this optimal window of time with Mr. Atwater of like peak mood and, and uh, not quite dessert time. (laughs) That is the strategy. So Sydney shows up and she announces, Oh, Hey, she's looking for Neil's dad too. Cause she has to ask him a favor. And it's very important. It's extremely important. And while they're talking, JT JT is staring at Sydney, she thinks, until she realizes he's actually looking at Sandy and Garrett behind her. Sandy still has her horrible orange hair and is asking if Garrett is actually going to take her to the club. It, which he is, because apparently they're putting they're putting dinner on the booth membership card. Ooh. Ooh, fancy. And he says, yeah, nothing's too good for you. And Sandy has this look on her face like she can't believe her luck. Like Garrett took her out for breakfast and lunch today. Oh, my God. And then she casts this quick look at Sydney. Or Garrett, sorry. Garrett casts this quick look at Sydney. So we know he's just doing this all to get Sydney's yeah, goat. Yeah, which apparently works because Sydney turns around pissed and we cut to the theme song. And when we come back, we're right in that same moment at the club. Sydney is scowling at the Sandy Garrett spectacle while JT and Neil talk about what a dickweed Garrett That's is. That's true. And, and, and this is the shot from the thumbnail. So we were actually at the Swans Club and not Swans Cafe. I do appreciate that, again, as the establishing shot coming back from the theme song 
we're following this young lady in a blue bathing suit and towel around the pool until the camera stops on Sydney, JT, and Neil. It's excellent. The directors loved a like leading background artist who would like bring the camera into the action. It's great. Also, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy who we saw in the snack booth as the last time we had a great performance from the snack booth. This guy is living it up back there. He loved his this job. This guy is a Meisner actor. He is working the props like nobody's business this man has ongoing life in the room i very much appreciate his work oh he's so good um while all this is going on with uh, the conversation about how garrett's a big jerk garrett takes sandy by the hand and leads her inside the club and she waves kind of naively at sydney as she passes and sydney just has this look on her face like she's about to do murder. Absolutely. It's so good. Neil and JT talk about how weird Garrett's being lunch and breakfast. <laughs> the, the quote, grand buffet lunch at the Swans Club. Libby, how many times have you been to a buffet and thought, this is grand? Listen, I did not grow up among the country club set, so maybe buffet lunches at country clubs are pretty grand. But I'm thinking like, old country buffet that's, and it is not grand that's exactly what i was thinking like i i have been to a lot of buffets in the south and that is Please. a very different situation because you are walking in there with people who are wearing cut off sweatpants and t-shirts down to their ankles it's unbelievable just like piles of food on plates uh oh my gosh so much fried okra <laughs> I do love fried okra, though. It's good. Sydney sort of mutters about how she can't believe it. She falls into another of her dreadful reveries and thinks back on the time at the dance when Garrett told her that she and Sandy had been switched at birth. But the flashback passes quickly, and Neil tells JT that his dad is ordering dessert, so they gotta, like, make their move now. There, there is a gloriously flubbed line by Neil in this section. <laughs> He's talking about the idea of eating buffet lunches. And I, I, this is this is what I heard. JT's idea of an event field is always uncharted by food. Those are the words that I heard come out of Neil's mouth. <laughs> they were just like, nope, that's good. We're going to cut and print that one. I love the way sometimes the directors were just like, we're going with it, whatever. Like, they probably had an insanely tight schedule for production on this show, and they're just like, whatever. Nobody's going to understand it anyway. Uh, JT has a brain in his head, so he's like, hey, what are we going to tell your dad we need the money for this time? And Neil says that we're going to say we're developing a new collagen mask, of course, and this seems like an excuse they've used already maybe a number of times. Because they talk about he's going <laughs> to... JT's like, your dad's going to ask for this recipe at some point. And Neil says, and I quote, by that time we'll be famous and dad can't ground a Nobel Prize winner, can he? Grade A kid logic right oh, there. So good. <laughs> so good. This is going to be such a, this this plan is so good. Sydney interrupts them. She's like, oh, I got to talk to Neil's dad because she's trying to find a particular color of hair dye and everyone in town is out of it. So she flounces off to talk to Neil's dad first. And the boys are very mad. Yep. And they're running after her. There's a lot of screaming. And fortunately, we cut away from this to the tool and die, where Barrick <laughs> is naming all the ice cream flavors. He has 
so many different kinds of ice cream and he's taking them all out of what I presume is some like hidden freezer. Never it must be pretty good before. It's just suddenly there. So he's naming all the ice cream and all the toppings he has while Callie and Jimmy just sort of glare silently at each other. <laughs> and Derek jokes that some of the toppings are arsenic and cyanide. And he's like, haha, maybe you should let me choose and, you know, potentially kill them both. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> yeah. Callie wants to know why he's being so nice, why they're both being so nice to her. And Barrick says, studies show that if you make the work environment a less hostile place, productivity increases. And I'm like, yeah, Barrick, like if you stop sexually harassing someone on the reg. Yeah, so Barrick is fully cognizant of the fact that he is actively making the working environment hostile for Callie. <laughs> Great he <laughs> leers at her and goes, that nudibranch uh, benefit on Friday? She goes, what about it? And he goes, I'm buying a ticket. Is he asking her on a date? Get out, you pervert. I don't know. This is so weird. Ugh. Terrible. Uh, speaking of perverts, we cut to the studio. <laughs> That's a segue for all you folks at oh. home. We, we cut to the studio Billy Gunn says he likes Owen's music and he wants to come back tomorrow to hear more of it, but only if Mila is there. Ugh. I just, Brittany Daniels is crushing this role in this scene. Like, she's so... She really like, is. Like, puppy dog love-struck that this famous rocker is into her. She's, she's really doing an awesome... Like, it's very believable. And the vibe she's putting into... Mila's character really come across well. Like, you can tell that Mila is trying really hard to, like, break out of her sweet little girl role that she's kind of been pigeonholed into all of her life from her career. So it, it's good. Yeah, Brittany Daniels doing a doing a great job here with the character work. So. And the phone yeah. rings. It's Sandy on the other end. Sandy says hello first. I just want to talk about a couple things. Number one, you don't pick up phones in other people's homes in the 1990s unless you're quite close to that other person. Yeah. Mila just walks over the phone, grabs it, picks it up. Secondly, the person picking up says hello. Yes. Why? I don't understand. What? This kind of takes me back to that early episode where Glory, where Sandy opens the door and Glory's standing there and she goes, Hi, it's me. <laughs> it's just such a, it's like if aliens tried to write a script about how humans greet each other. <laughs> so backwards. You know, like the humans do. Well, Sandy mentions that Mila has been at the studio for a while, and she's like, yeah, well, Billy must really like Owen's music. And then she's like, what does he think of the music that, you know, Sandy and Owen made together? And Mila's like, uh, Owen didn't play anything that you worked on. <laughs> what a dick. Yep, yep. He's just so clueless. He's such a blunderer. Oh, Owen. Mila says, well, we're just about to head out. And she asks if Sandy's still going to give her her singing lesson that night. And Sandy kind of reluctantly agrees. Yeah, which and it's going to be at 4 o'clock at Mila's. As Mila is explaining this to Sandy on the phone, Billy slithers into the frame. And he has Ugh. something he wants to give her before he takes off. Ew. Oh, Ew. No, thank you. Ugh. Then Mila just hangs up on Sandy and follows Billy away. Yeah. Oh, poor Sandy. Sandy. Poor Sandy. <clears throat> Sandy doesn't get to explain why she called. And she doesn't get to call back because Sydney comes up to her, but even before she knows Sydney's there, she has decided she's not going to call again. She just sets the phone down. 
She's just like giving up, which might be the best thing to do in this scenario, truly, honestly. Truly. Listen, if I had hair that was looking like that, I would give up too. So Sydney asks her if she lost her scarf. And then Sandy's like, well, Garrett likes my hair. And she gives this slow motion hand flip, which is a real 90s girl power move. So heads up, man. Sandy, you did it. Power to you. <laughs> you pulled one over on Sydney. The smile that Sandy has on her face is so self-satisfied. Like she finally, finally, after 14 years, has one up on Sydney. <laughs> It's really great. Sydney asks her to come over to her house later, and Sandy's like, no, I already have plans. And uh, she says that she's going to Mila's. And Sydney's like, great, I'll meet you there. Sandy's, uh, Sandy's like, why do you want to see me so much? And apparently, Sydney has a present for Sandy. There's a lot of presents in this episode. Sydney says, I'll give you a hint. It's going to make things a lot better between the two of us. And there's this doom music on the piano. As Sandy makes this worried, frowny, intrigued face. It's a really great face. It is like 50% terror and 50% fuck you, bitch. It's great. Oh, this next scene. What? Where do we even begin with it? Oh, so Glory is at the library returning some books for Neil and, and JT uh, to Mr. Han. Yeah, and he he's asking her about JT. She gets all cute about how how much she likes him, and she asks Mister Han if he has any easy physics books because she would like to learn the basics and not feel ignorant around JT. Oh my gosh, do you see JT putting anywhere near this level of effort into the relationship? No, indeed. Also, I really love the line where she's like. She, you know, she brought back all these books for JT, and he's like, oh, that's nice of you to help him out, help out your friend. And she's like, I'd do anything for JT. And he says, in the name of science? <laughs> the most hilarious exchange I think I've ever beheld. It's a very <laughs> cute scene. I wish it didn't, you know, have all of the uh, patriarchal implications that it has, but it's it's very cute. It's very cute between them. Yeah, and then it takes a weird turn because Glory leaves the library, and then we see an exterior shot of her coming out of what is clearly a weird, spooky rear entrance to a building into a creepy alley. Right. Is is this the entrance to the town library? Right? It does not look like a library entrance at all. I mean, it does look like the outside area of the tool and die, which we have seen many times. But it is it is like she's coming out of this like warehouse sort of like structure it's horrible yeah and she's going into like the kind of alley where people just dump garbage bags next to a dumpster instead of inside it and it always smells like pee or if if you're barrack it's you know where you hang out on a saturday (laughs) you know Uh, she gets a creepy feeling and pauses and sort of looks around then she shrugs and keeps on walking and we fade to commercial we cut back to the pool jt is uh jt and neil come back into the pool area they're pissed JT kicks a beach ball into the pool because they're not. Oh, no, no. It's a floaty swan. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought it was a beach ball. They did not get the funding, and they wasted over an hour on trying to get it because Sydney swooped in, and then JT kicks this inflatable pool shark next to the pool, which is obviously there so he can kick it. Oh my god, it's great. So they, they rant for a little while about how pissed they are that Sydney beat them to the punch. Because I guess Mr. Atwater only gives out one favor a day, apparently. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> but they do comment on how weird it was because Sydney was acting so desperate over the whole thing. 
And meanwhile, Garrett, who was also in the dining hall with Sandy, was acting like he was on top of the world. And JT's like about to figure out that there's a connection between the two, but Neil will not let him explore it because they have their own stuff to think about. It should be noted that in this scene, the girl in the background keeps changing. There are two actresses in the background reading a book. One of them is in a blue swimsuit and the other is in a like a more light colored swimsuit. And depending on which shot they've taken, it's a different girl sitting in that same chair. So they must have shot this scene twice, but they weren't going to shoot any of the other scenes twice where like lines were flubbed. It's just, it's so strange to me, the choices that were made by the director. (laughs) And you didn't have the actress stick around so you could film the same actors in the same places? What? Okay. We're back at the tool and die. Callie and Jimmy are still not speaking and it's very uncomfortable while Beric taunts them over ice cream. Yeah. Talk, talk, like, repeatedly brings up the fact that no one is talking in the most awkward way to make the not talking seem more awkward. And then he finally leaves. Thank God. Yeah, he says he's, he's going to go buy more ice cream to stock his supply back up. And uh, Callie and Jimmy are left alone. Callie graciously does not bring up the fact that Jimmy was trying to hide from her. And she starts some small talk with him. Yep. They get into what he's doing on the uh, revolving stage. She looks at the project. She gets some, uh, she gives some ideas, which he really likes. There is this moment where they both reach for the same engine part and their hands touch and it's electric. (laughs) You knew that moment was coming, right? There is some intense yet awkward eye contact that goes on far too long. And it's getting, I almost think like they're about to kiss. Like it's getting to that point. It's getting all electric and crazy and also it's strangely hilarious to me because everything is also very choreographed like the moment where they both touch the same auto part is just does not feel natural at all it was very funny yeah no everything about this is extremely awkward and there are so many close-ups so many anyway after this unbearably long and awkward scene of teenage love we cut to mila's room where she removes garrett's headshot from its frame and tosses it onto a pile of posters for the nudibranch benefit she replaces it with billy's headshot it's horrible and i literally in my notes right here it goes oh my gosh is that the gift is that it it was the Garrett gift. even gave her the frame all billy could oh. be bothered to give her was a photo of himself right Ugh, Ugh. what a what a winner sandy shows up she's all ready for her singing lesson and mila is startled by her hair And they talk briefly about Garrett, and then Sandy notices the picture of Billy Gunn and reads what he wrote on the picture, which is, To Mila, the brightest star in my life. Love, Billy. Gross. So gross. So gross. Um, To which, after reading it, Sandy responds, Life doesn't get much better than this. And I wanted to say, yes, it does, Sandy. Yes, it does. Gets a whole lot better, in fact, yes. Sydney waltzes in with hair dye. She says it's the special salon-only formula, and it'll take the orange tones out of Sandy's hair and make it less vibrant. Turns out uh, Sandy was not trying to uh, turn her hair darker. She was trying to be blonde. Uh, apparently, she was the only one to be blonde as a baby. There is ominous music as Sydney freaks out a little bit. Right, because Sid- Muffy is is kind of blonde. like She's like an ash blonde sort of-ish. So... Um, so they talk her, she, they, Mila and Sydney talk Sandy into letting them dye her hair, thinking it's going to be less of a cheesy color and more of a like natural looking blonde. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's going to come out fantastically. 
<laughs> we cut to the booth porch where Garrett is walking in. Is met by Glory, who's also walking in. Uh, Glory seems very curious about the uh, Garrett Sandy breakfast lunch situation. <laughs> Garrett says he's, what can I say? I'm a sucker for blondes. To which I wanted to say, hey, Garrett, she not blonde right now. It's more of a mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. And as usual, Garrett lobs a few insults at JT. They squabble over romance. And then Glory notices a random cotton ball stuck in the ivy that's climbing up one of the porch pillars. This is the oddest transition ever. Like, there's a weird camera cut. And, and Glory goes, what's this? And grabs the cotton ball. Uh, apparently. <laughs> Apparently, Garrett doesn't know, but he's been seeing them everywhere. We cut down to the baldy in the bushes as the two, uh, as Garrett and Glory go inside. The, the baldy in the bushes has cotton balls in his ears. Now, Libby, as I recall, the baldy in the bushes is not the same baldy who had his ear problem with JT and Neil destroying the bug. Am I wrong about that? Are both baldies now in Swan's Crossing? I think you are correct that it's not the same Baldi. There, we will find out in future episodes that there is perhaps what one might call an infestation of Baldies in Swan's Crossing, <laughs> which might be the title of this episode. Baldies. That is that is what you call a group of Baldies. It's an infestation. You can say that because you are one exactly. yourself. I'm, I'm allowed. I'm allowed to talk about. But yeah, this is not the same one who was using the hearing device. So now this raises a question about the metaphysical nature of the Baldies. Are they one being that can bifurcate their their bodies and appear in multiple places at once? Do the Baldies come from like a vortex? Are they from Skinwalker Ranch? What is going on here? All of these are excellent questions, Libby, that I'm hoping get explored in future episodes. They won't. <laughs> Oh, we're back at the library again with another excellent, excellent scene that I love so much. Ralph arrives with a huge stack of overdue library books uh, and complains about what a mess the Rutledge home is with all the construction going on. Specifically, it says uh, that the it, Ralph says that the Ark itself would would become lost in the Rutledge home, and I thought to myself, "Is the Rutledge home the big warehouse from the last from the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie? Is that where they stored the Ark of the Covenant?" Mr. Hahn and Sir Ralph, who apparently is a knight of the realm, have some fancy man discourse back and forth for a while, lamenting about how no one ever gives them enough credit for being smart, fancy dudes. And Mr. Hahn remarks that they are both in unique positions to observe all the rich people in the town. Yeah. Okay, two things. Number one, are they flirting? <laughs> I think they might I have been. It, I really got the distinct impression that Sir Ralph and Mr. Hahn may be into each other. I think you're right, and this is now headcanon for Excellent. me. Um, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that cracks me up uh, about this is my new theory is that Ralph and Mr. Han are going to be the ones who thwart the Baldies. In a very Inspector Gadget, can't do anything himself, Penny and the dog have to take care of it sort of methodology, right? It's going to be Ralph and Mr. Han who eventually thwart the Baldies and and their aims in Swan's Crossing. That is that is what I think is going to happen. That's the end of season one. Well, that will be amazing if it happens. I will say that. Uh, after this uh, this wonderful conversation, patting themselves on the back heavily, which they deserve, by the way. I'm not I'm not calling them out for that. They deserve oh, it. Yeah. They mutually agree that they are the cleverest men in all of Swan's Crossing, which is true. And Ralph asks what good it does, 
And Mr. Han says, one never knows in a mysterious way and walks away. Uh, we cut to Barrick returning to the tool and die where he finds Jimmy and Callie heading out. Uh, they're going to go get a part for a motor. And he asks them how long and Callie's all, why? He does say, well, don't rush back because he's going to close the shop for a little while. Callie finds this very suspicious, but Barrick says, hey, he's just going to take a little siesta. A little snooze. A little snoozing. And, and I am in favor of napping, so good call, Barrick. I, I wish I could nap. Courtney naps like every day, and I'm so envious. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, they start to leave. Callie remains for a moment staring at the door before reluctantly going with Jimmy as Callie's suspicion theme music plays. I do think this is going to be a new thing for me is that, like, I like we've got we've got Sydney's pensive music. We've also got like uh, we've also got Callie's suspicious. I'm suspicious of Barrick music. This is a theme. I think I need to make another compilation video of all the times Callie is suspicious <laughs> with the music that plays while she's suspicious. Because you're right, it is great. Yes, yes, please do that. We cut to Mila's room where they are dyeing Sandy's hair while gossiping about Billy Gunn. <sighs> And Mila admits she thinks Billy might like her, and they laugh over how dumb Garrett is compared to Billy. Listen, at least Garrett is your own age. Yep. Uh, and then as Sandy tries to get up and Sydney pushes her back down, <laughs> Sydney's face appears on Sandy's. Yeah, yeah, like we're in a POV shot of kind of like Sydney looking down at Sandy, who's sort of lying, lying back with her head in the sink, in the vanity sink, to get her hair dyed. And Sydney is looking down at her and she like hallucinates her own face on top of Sandy. And I'm just gonna say, I've been there before. <laughs> it is very disconcerting. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm gonna assume that that has something to do with how much, you know, marijuana you enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, let's leave it at that because marijuana is legal in this state. There That's we we'll say yes there to that. <laughs> uh, the psycho killer music plays as we as uh, Sydney's eyes grow wide and we freeze frame roll credits. It's beautiful. Oh, it's a great ending. It is one of the most intense Sydney stares of all time. Okay. So. Who was our psychopath of the week? Ooh, that's that's a good. I mean, probably Barrick or Billy. Like Billy's just gross as hell. Billy is really gross in this one, and even though Barrick was like super annoying and weird and creepy with his acknowledgement that he has been creating a hostile work environment, I have to go with Billy because Billy is clearly actively trying to sleep with a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, you nasty. Billy. So yeah. Billy Gunn, you get the award this week. Swan count. Uh, I believe it is five new fake swans because I had to add one for the one that that uh, JT kicks, which I thought was a beach ball. So nice. Uh, five nice. new swan, fake swans, uh, bringing our account to uh, four imaginary swans, twenty-four actual swans, and ninety other swans. Most wow, most excellent. Do you have your predictions? Okay, for next episode. I think the hair dye job for Sandy is going to go extremely badly. It's just going to be so, so bad. And Garrett is going to, if Sydney likes the dye job, Garrett's going to hate it. And if Sydney hates the dye job, Garrett's going to love it. So there's that. I think Billy and Mila continue to flirt. All the way probably through the through the event on Friday, which is where I think things are going to go bad for the two of them. At least I hope so. So I think 
Um, Billy is going to be in a lot of the next episode. Maybe they go to Swan's Cafe to have a little date or something. Owen is going to continue to be awkward, not realizing that there's a blossoming romantic relationship between Mila and Billy. And uh, I think uh, hopefully next episode we get a little bit more of either Captain Walker or the Countess talking about how exciting the the benefit for the Nuda branches is. And probably more Baldy creeping on creeping on glory. Um, I still I, I think they're, the Baldies are after that poetry notebook. So I think there's probably going to be a little bit more on that next episode. What I'm most interested to see, though, is how this relationship with Ralph and Mr. Hahn develops. Like, what's going on there? Um, do we get any more of Ralph and or Mr. Hahn in the next episode? I don't think we will. So I'm predicting that we will not. But I'm very interested in where that's going. So. Okay, excellent. Fantastic uh, predictions for next week. As you noted, we are two episodes away from the next big event, which is the Nudebronk benefit. Um, and I can't wait. I can't wait to go over that with you. It, it is one of my favorite episodes in the entire show. We're, we're two episodes away. I thought we would be three episodes away since this was a Tuesday episode. Oh, is this? Yeah, maybe we are three away. Anyway, it's worth waiting for because boy, howdy. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it doesn't involve a spinning cake. No, it involves. More of the Countess's party planning, though. Let's put it that way. Are we going to talk about food a lot? I can't wait. You are not prepared for what you shall oh, witness geez. on the Friday episode. Um, well, my friends, uh, that's it for this episode, I guess. Uh, do you want to give us our music readout? Thank you so much to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. Yes, and if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at gotta grow up pod and on instagram at swans cross pod and i am gonna aim to have my uh, compilation of callie being suspicious at barrack up by the time this episode airs so go check it out for that stuff and my previous compilations which are tons of fun. excellent uh and until we can see one another again may all of your suit jackets fit beautifully over your t-shirts <laughs> Where'd you fish? What do you care? Besides, everyone knows every angler has their own secret places. Right. You're welcome to any that I know of. <laughs>